Welcome to Flashlight Podcast, where we aim to shine a light into all your favorite songs through conversations with artists on how music has helped them through hard times. Today, we'll be joined by Kevin Patrick Sullivan, better known by his stage name, Field Medic, also known as his other stage name, Paper Rose Haiku. What's up, everybody? My name is Kevin. Uh, I play under the moniker Field Medic. I make acoustic songs and uh, uh, yeah, I think I think that's... I also have a secret uh, cloud rap project called Paper Rose Haiku and I have red hair. Starting off just talking kind of about how you came to be a musician and just what what's your earliest memory of like wanting to make music? Um, I did. So I remember I used to live in Omaha, Nebraska for when I think between the ages of like first and fourth grade. And we bought, I think my dad bought me like a kid sized guitar from Costco or something. And I was really excited to play that uh, and started strumming around. But then unfortunately, like my brother and I were like wrestling or something like a few weeks later and like he fell on top of it and it broke. Um, so I stopped playing guitar after that. Cause I wasn't like enamored enough to need another one. I was just like, well, I guess it's back to yo-yoing and figure skating and like other stuff I used to do. Um, and then we moved to California, um, to a place called San Jose. And I remember I found my dad's tape deck. Um, and I made like a parody, rap cassette under the alias dollar 50 cent like uh, i think i was like i must have been like nine or something but i was just freestyling there was no beats it it was a one of one cassette i I would love i hope i find that one day in like some storage unit because it's so funny um and then like when i was in a a freshman and like sophomore in high school i started i think my dad bought a different acoustic guitar at Costco and I I taught myself how to play that song Collide by Howie Day um and then from then on I was just really interested in songwriting um played in a couple like metalcore I was the vocalist in a couple metalcore bands in high school um and then when my voice changed I lost my scream like I I guess when my I just, I can't scream anymore. If I try to scream, I'll just lose my voice instantly. So I turned to just making folk music again in like my junior year of high school and uh, made some pretty like, you know, generic like MySpace, uh, like MySpace core, like not literally, but like, you know, just imagine me singing a song about like the Sadie Hawkins and like my crush, like that kind of thing. And I, I love that genre, to be clear. I'm super into that kind of music still. Um, but then I discovered Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell and Towns Van Zandt, John Prine, Nick Drake, like all these kind of classic songwriters. And that sort of changed my perspective on what a song could be. Um, and so I got really obsessed with kind of like, you know, traditional folk music and started practicing that style of guitar as well um yeah that's kind of where it all started I'd say in like my senior year of high school I kind of came 
from the beginning to that's what kind of started me off on the path that I'm still on now. Yeah, that's really cool. You sounds like you had a lot of music influences growing up, but in a very like non-traditional way, almost like you were telling your story about being like nine and recording on cassettes, but then almost giving up music. It's kind of cool how many like pathways you've gone on to get to now doing full mm-hmm. music and whatnot. Um, when you first, like you were saying you like lost your scream and you can't scream anymore. When that first happened and you were realizing that you couldn't be doing metal music anymore and you kind of made that transition to folk, were you ever at first really disappointed thinking that you weren't going to be able to say the same things that you wanted to say with the music in a new genre? I mean, I'm honestly still devastated to this day that I can't scream. I think that it wasn't so much about what I could say in the music because like, I'm not even sure. Like, I feel like at that time when I was in those bands, I was just kind of like making up like very, very like senseless lyrics, like that didn't really have a direction or a purpose. Um, But I was sad that I couldn't make music that was super aggressive because I love, I just love breakdowns and I love screaming stuff. Like I would be sitting in class when I was a sophomore in high school. I was like, I failed algebra one my freshman year. So I was in an algebra one class as a sophomore and I would just be listening to my iPod blasting this band, the number 12 looks like you and, and just getting, just being so emo. And like, I just wish that I could, I wish I could express myself in a way that has that sort of release because playing folk music, it's like, it's beautiful and I love it. But at my shows, it's like, you know, people aren't, it's, it's not like a big cathartic emotional explosion. It's more like me going deeper and deeper inside myself and like, you know, singing quietly uh, and I sometimes I just want to blast off and scream. So I am still sad. I have dreams that I'm the singer of a metalcore or deathcore band, and I'm so happy in those dreams. It's like it's like equivalent to a dream of flying for me. It's so true what you were saying as well about like I, the act of writing the music and getting it out there can be cathartic, but it's different because I I listen to a lot of folk music, but I also listen to emo and I I was big in emo like when I was in high school as well it's what I mainly listened to and you, you're not moshing at a folk show really and getting that mm-hmm. like, just angst out and so I see I see what you're saying about the cathartic feeling is there anything that you try to bring to your shows then to try to have that feeling or give your fans that feeling of catharsis other than the music itself like an energy or whatnot um i remember when i used to tour i did used to try and encourage people to do walls of death but i think it's like almost like more of like a haha it's not really like no one and i don't think anyone there is like really interested in doing that either um but like when i was on tour with remo drive and beach bunny i would do like the like let's do a wall of death thing and but i think that that was kind of just more because it's like ironic and funny um but i think i i think that the the kind of like cathartic release i try to bring to the shows is just you know 
as you said, it's not going to be this like angsty explosion. It's more just, I like to bring like humor to the, to the shows and maybe like be able to be kind of just be very real about the way I'm feeling while also being able to laugh at myself and hopefully maybe someone else can take some joy from it. So yeah, unfortunately no angsty mosh pits at my shows, but that's okay. Yeah. And you don't need that to feel good leaving a show and feel better than when you came in. Like it's even for the listeners too, like just sharing the music together and being at the show together. And if the words resonate with them, then you're leaving still feeling lighter, hopefully. You don't need mm-hmm. you don't need the screaming to get that. Um, but is that kind of why you started Paper Rose Haiku then? Which is emo rap. Is that the best way to describe yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I think so I mean I I mean as I said before, like, you know, the first I guess the first thing I ever recorded was a rap album, Dollar Fifty Cent at nine years old. And I just always have loved like I listen to like I love Tupac and like Future and like Blade and I love Yeet recently. So I love I feel like when I listen to music, I listen more for escapism. So I tend to listen to stuff that bangs hard, whether it's metal or like trap. And I had one I every once in a while I get I was getting closer and closer to making something that's like, you know, rap adjacent kind of music and then I'll I'll kind of start and then I'll just be like ah, I don't know like I can't do that like it's not like everyone's gonna think this is just like funny or something and I remember when COVID struck I, I was friends with this person named Jonah who performs under the name Fantasy Camp um, and I was on lockdown and, and I was like dude let's just do a track like I think I'm ready because like the world is ending and like I just want to so bad and so he sent me the beat for a song called Black Metal Long Sleeve uh, that was produced by my other friend who became to be my friend, this guy Taylor Morgan, um, and this guy named Caves. And we just made that song, and it was like, just felt really nice. And it felt, and it was fun because I realized that I, I guess I just had to give myself permission to do it. And like nobody was stopping me from doing that except for myself based on some kind of preconceived notion that like I shouldn't be doing something that I really want to do. That's extremely fun. Um, Yeah. And then it just kind of grew into this thing and it's been really helpful for me to be able to kind of step out of the field medic frame of mind and, and make songs as paper rows to just kind of like remember to have a project that's strictly for fun and that isn't really tied into like my career although I'm extremely grateful for my career and it's awesome but it's cool to kind of put on a different mask and just have fun with a beat that slaps hella hard yeah I was gonna say because not that creating music as field medic shouldn't still be fun and amazing and I'm sure it like you said it, it still is but like there is an aspect of there that it's it is part of work and putting out something that's gonna match your image as an artist versus like the paper rose haiku uh, project is simply just fun to remind you that like you love making music and just putting out whatever you want Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely there's no one to tell me like there's no label or like 
anybody involved that's like has an idea of like what the single should be or all that kind of stuff that comes with having the, the medic project so yeah it's just a good reminder that music is fun and and anybody who's listening you can just make whatever music you want or whatever art you want if you enjoy it that's all that matters is it like a completely different thought process then of when you're gonna make a song to kind of put out for paper rose versus field medic like or do you get an idea for a song ever and be like oh my god where should i put this and you don't know which to do it for I think I think that like thematically it's kind of the same because I try to tap into like the same sort of honesty that I try to tap in, into with field medic songs with paper rose, but I feel like the execution is a little bit different where like field medic, you know, leans towards like just extremely vulnerable and like quiet and sort of like very very introspective and paper rose stuff is like i think just by virtue of having it on a beat sometimes it makes me want to like flip the pain into some kind of like flex um so it's like still the same thing but it's kind of being approached from a different angle um and also the other thing is that usually with fieldmatic songs i write the lyrics like in my head or like lately, like for the most recent album, like I would just make up all the songs like in my head with no music. And then I would just pick up the guitar and kind of like find music that matched the way I was feeling based on the lyrics that I already composed. But with the paper rose tracks, I hit up my friends in this collective called garden Avenue. There are like a bunch of producers with like the two, the three guys I just mentioned and, when I'm in the mood, I'm like, can you guys send me some beats that sound like this or sound like that? And then they send me the beats and then the beats kind of, I, I write the lyrics around the beat. Sometimes I have like a line that's in my head that I maybe I think would make a good like hook or something, but I'll then sit with the beat just playing on loop and write the song around the beat. So the, the composition of the track as a whole is a little bit different. Yeah, it's, yeah, you, you said you have a flipped approach to it, kind of as like the field medic, you're using the music to share the lyrics, but almost for Paper Rose, it's like using, or using the lyrics and creating the music around it for field medic versus like with Paper Rose, it's kind of using the music as a way to be able to write. Yeah, that's totally right. Yeah. Yeah, I like flipped it in my head at first <laughs> when I was starting to say mm -hmm. it. But yeah, that's cool. It's interesting because it's such a different approach, but both serve that same purpose of tapping into the same emotions. Yeah, and they're both like helpful. Like I feel like when I was making my last album, the one that's just going to come out on, in October, I was like super, felt very defeated and like very like, I almost felt like at times that I, I like had a lobotomy, like I was just hella like disassociated and, and emo. And I was able to like, sometimes when I was, when I sort of expended all my energy writing the songs that became the new album, I would get the relief of sitting down with one of these beats. And just because of the beat would just bang so hard it would make me really like reevaluate the way I was feeling 
and and as I said before, kind of like turn the the pain into some kind of like flex or like lesson or something where it's like this is just the way it has to be like I don't really start to feel until I feel the pain whereas like the field medic album is like markedly like pretty hopeless sounding and then the paper row stuff that I was composing at the same time has this weird energy of like dealing processing the emotions in a way that trying to like see the a positive outcome so they both they've both been really helpful to me and they also like integrate into each other in a really interesting way as far as the way that like they both make me creative and there's even a, one song on the new record it's called i think about you all the time was a paper rose haiku song first uh and i just it just wasn't really hitting and so then i just repurposed it for field medics so like they're already sharing with each other at this point too which i think is cool yeah i love that did you have to change the lyrics around or anything or was it almost like changing the changing the sound was able to get that different effect that you wanted already no the lyrics are completely the same it was just that the song the paper rose song was on a really emotional beat and i was doing falsetto the whole time so it sounded like kind of funny honestly like it's like when I was making it it was like super emotional but when I was listening back it was sort of like this is like just a little maybe too um saccharine I think that's the word or like precious or something so I just just flipped it it just took the lyrics and kind of put it over a sort of upbeat acoustic vibe and it was it was like I was like oh this is sick this is like where it's meant to be yeah, I love that. I love that you were able to use the Paper Rose project to kind of to create something with the Field Medic project. But like, I would think that without originally having written it as part of the Paper Rose project, you might not have gotten it at all. Yeah, I never would have written that song because, as I said, like the the beat informs the songwriting on the Paper Rose side of things, and I don't think I ever would have. I mean, I can almost like guarantee I just never would have written that. So. If anyone's listening out there, if you've heard, if, if this is in the future and you and you like that song, we have to thank, we have to thank Paper Rose for that one. <laughs> Shout out Paper Rose. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so funny. It's like an alter ego. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I love that. Um, yeah, I can see too listening to it because I've listened to obviously a, a lot of both and the lyrics they have a complete different, they have a different vibe, but they are about the same things. Kind of reminds me of like the way that I approach like my mental health and mental mental illness and such like online versus the way I feel it. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. online, I definitely like, like Twitter and stuff. I take that approach sometimes of like using humor or using mental illness as kind of like a little bit of a less of a serious approach versus then when I'm writing something that's maybe more introspective, then it kind of comes out in the softer way of how it actually feels inside. Yeah, that that (laughs) makes perfect sense. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's definitely it where it's, 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 yeah, I feel like Field Medic is definitely where I'm just keeping it 100% real. And sometimes like almost 
too real, like doom real, like it's like hyperbolically doomed. Because sometimes that's just how my brain works. Like I'm just like everything is doomed. Um, but that's also not true. And then, yeah, Paper Rose sort of just flips it into being like, this is just a, as we were saying before, it's like, this is just a part of the story. And like, this is going to, it's going to make a cool story at some point. Maybe, hopefully it better. <laughs> it's better <laughs> if I'm putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like we were saying about like, it might be embarrassing, but it's all part of the bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like the phrase that I've been using so much. I hate using overused online phrases. It just something about it is cringe to me always, but the bit is something that's like completely infiltrated my my vocab because it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> but um, wait, which so you have a single coming out from the new album? You said tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So if this is in the future, tomorrow is July seven. Wait, no, it's not. That's yesterday. Nineteenth. July nineteenth. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, in case this is in the past. Um, yeah yeah so your new single's coming out wait what's what's it called it's called i had a dream that you died oh (laughs) yeah dude i just wrote something and i that's so funny because i just wrote something and it was like i had it and one of the lines and it starts with like i had a dream that it was like i had a dream that telling you i love you made a difference but when i woke up you were still two thousand miles away and then it goes. Oh, on. that's beautiful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but that was like something that I just wrote. So that's funny that that's the name of your new song. And now I'm very intrigued to hear what that, what the song's about. It's, it's a dream yeah. that died, but like the deeper side of it. So the song is like, um, it was that I, I had like a, so I saw somebody post online something of like, a friend of mine uh and it, it like looked like someone was like memorializing somebody mm-hmm. um l- luckily i just i was like sleepy i guess when i saw it they were just like showing love but i was like dude this guy die i'm bummed right now um and so i like went to bed and i like kind of like further had that dream that like this person was dead um and at the time i was like super sad uh in my own life and i was kind of like having some like i want to end it all kind of thoughts around that time and when i woke up uh and i realized that my my friend was not dead thank god i was just like damn like this person is like not even my closest friend but the thought of them losing their life just made me so sad for, you know, the duration of my dream. And it just made me think about how kind of like when anybody dies, it's just really sad. It's like, you know, if you see a post on Facebook that somebody you like went to high school with, like passed away, maybe you haven't talked to them for a long time. And you're still just like, man, that's sad. Like I have this flood of memories. And it just made me think about how like it would suck <laughs> this sounds like really funny, but it's like it would just thinking about the impact that one's life has on those around them and not only just those of like their immediate friends and family, but just every, you know, there's a ripple effect to like everybody that they ever knew. Um, and it just kind of made me feel like it's like, dude, I think that like it would be selfish for me to die uh, by my own hand uh, if if that's what I'm contemplating at this point in time. 
because it would just be a total bummer for everybody. Uh, and it's like not, that's not the right choice to make. And so this song is like, it's honestly kind of like an upbeat song that's like sort of funny. And I think it, like the funny part about it is like, there's a line where it's like, I had a dream that you died and somehow I made it about me just sort of like speaking to how like, you know, the human condition, like the ego where it's like, oh, I'm sad about that. But like, what if it was me? That would also be sad. So just kind of like seeing the humor in it. But yeah, it's just sort of about realizing that it's not chill. I hate it. I hate it when people die and, and like, I don't, I don't want to die either. And thankfully I'm out of that headspace now, but yeah, it's just, I guess it's like a reflection on, the loss of life and sometimes a reflection on like you contemplating like losing your own life for lack of a better word yeah that's really i like that a lot and i think that rings true a lot when when you have feelings like thoughts of taking your own life and it's just like thinking about that ripple effect and I like the line that you said about like, I had a dream that you died and I somehow made it about me, but it's so true. I, even if we don't always admit it, but there is kind of that thought of when you see someone that dies, it's not even like, imagine if I died always, but like, oh, imagine if that was my mom or imagine if that was my best friend and you feel a sort of empathy through that realization. Uh huh. And that's sometimes where it comes from more so, especially when it's someone that you're not like super close with, that the feeling sometimes comes more so from like imagining yourself in the shoes of the people around them or in their shoes. A hundred, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's like that, yeah, the empathy that you get from from thinking about it and just realizing that it's it's sad and like like death is so final like no regardless of how it comes and it's 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 like you said like you can't help but think about if it was you know someone you knew closer or like a family member or something where you're just like that's just over for that person mm -hmm. and it's and it's emo it is yeah <laughs> i um i guess i'm also just curious though why you chose that as the single off the album. Um, I chose it as a single because a lot of the album is like kind of um, like it had, I recorded it with my friend Gabe Goodman in his like studio and there's drums on it and like some like lead guitar and like piano. It's like very next gen mm -hmm. sounding, which I love. Um, but I had a dream that you died. I recorded myself with like, it's, it's digital, but there's like, it's kind of like a drum machine beat and it kind of has more traditional medic flair. I feel like sonically and also from the people that have heard the album and that have heard it already, that seemed to be like a standout track for them. So I think that it's uh, I think it's a good, introduction and in, in the sense that it's it's definitely more hd than the stuff that i've made in the past but it's still kind of in the wheelhouse of field medic like it's not this like huge departure in sound which i also don't think the other songs are but this one despite by description alone sounding extremely heavy and and like intense is like 
kind of a light poppy song with like a, a fun beat and like it even has like a synth line and some like funny lyrics in there too so it just, just seemed like a fun song to start with despite the subject matter yeah and it kind of can ease you said it has that like traditional field medic flair to it so it can kind of ease listeners into the rest of the album and right yeah mm-hmm. grab their attention before some of the other tracks that we got to build trust that it's not it's not all changing, you know? Yes, that's very true. I feel like that's important with listeners. You got to have at least that one song that will hook them so that they give the rest of the album a chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear it. Like you said, it'll be out later today. I guess technically it'll be at yeah. midnight. It's not too far. Um, yeah, it's coming. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. Um, I wanted... Yeah, like I said, to talk about like sunroom books and stuff like that. So um, I feel like you have a really strong relationship with a lot of your fans. I think from what I see Mm -hmm. on social media, especially, um, and even having gone to your show in the fall, I felt like even though you were opening, I met a lot of people at the show that were there to see you, which I think is really special as an opener to have people that are coming out just for your music. But I've seen on Instagram, like, I just saw something the other day about someone getting the Dalmatian tattoo, which was uh-huh. awesome. Um, I'm sure that felt really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's a, that tattoo is an amazing design, too. I was super pumped. It's funny because they had messaged me, like, in their post, they have, like, the timeline of the events. And I remember them sending me that drawing, like, a year ago or something. And they were like, I'm going to get this tatted. And I was like, let's go. And then follow up however long later. And it and they actually did it. So that was really cool. Yeah, no, that's really amazing. Like for someone to like your art enough to want it on their body is incredible. And mm-hmm. Yeah, for it to like mean that much to them. Um, and then the Sunroom books, which mm-hmm. when did you start that? Like when did volume one come out? So I think volume one came out I feel like it might have been December of 2021 or it might have been like January of this year. That that's that idea was born from my friend Andre, who's like the editor of that project because I was having a hella dark moment. <laughs> it's funny to just reflect on all these different dark moments, but I prior to the time period that I was just talking about uh that inspired the new song, I was just hella dark in in the like the midst of covid and andre he lives in germany right now he moved there and i feel like i can't remember if i hit him up or if i just like got a whatsapp notification from him at that exact moment but i was just sitting at my house like hella drunk and like uh, on an extremely dark spiral and like contemplating bad thoughts um and he hit me up and i called him or he called me and we just talked for like three hours and and he's like one of my best friends of all time. And, uh, he just totally like, he's been a part of like the sunroom records and salon like crew since its inception in like 2014. Cause he used to live in San Francisco. Um, and he just talked to me for a long time. And a couple weeks later, he was still in California at the time. He, he hit me up and he was like, dude, I have this idea. I want to like, come over and talk to you about it. So he came over and he was like, you know, I feel like he's, he's an incredible poet himself as well. 
bonded in, in like our love of poetry and music and stuff. And he, he was like, we should make, cause I used to make this zine called Kaylee. It's like spelled C E I L I D G H. I think I apologize if I spelled that wrong to anyone who knows its language of origin. I can't remember, but my dad had a poetry like lit mag he made in college called Kaylee. And I make a bunch of tiny zines um, called Hella Haiku volume like one through 12. that are like one sheet of paper that I cut and fold and then photocopy. Um, and so we did back in 2014, I think I did like four editions of my version of Kaylee, which was other people's poetry that I would print and like distribute at my shows and just send with tapes and stuff. And so Andre, when he came over in 2020 or 2021, whenever that was, he was like, we should, we should do Kaylee again and, and like make it bigger and make a, a book and like, let's donate the the proceeds to like suicide prevention. Like, let's just make it. So it's like, let's do a project that's about helping people, you know, have a voice for their poetry and their artwork. And then let's like also donate the proceeds to like a good cause. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Um, and then, but with Kaylee, we always had the issue where it's like really hard to spell. So I was like, I had thought about making a poetry mag called Paper Frames for a long time. And I was like, this is a new chapter, no pun intended. Uh, this is like a new chapter in, in our like thing because it's going to be a real book that we're going to like produce. Um, so yeah, we made Paper Frames the concept. And then for the first issue, we just kind of asked our friends. Um, and that one came out really cool and it was really nice. And then for the second one, we went wider with the submissions and we actually got so many that we had to split it into two. So we already have volume three. It's not finished in the sense of like, it's like laid out and ready to print, but we have all the content for that too. Um, and it's just, it's just really fun to do a project, especially because so much of what I do, like as a solo artist, I feel like I get really sick of myself having to like, you know, edit my own music videos or like, you know, approve like photos or, you know, to, even to the sense of like talking about my own project. Sometimes it just drives me crazy. It makes me confused. So giving voice to other people and, and putting out, being able to distribute other people's poetry and then also donate the money to a good cause is just so special to me. And I'm so grateful to Andre for, the inception of that idea. Yeah, I I remember when I saw, um, I saw the first issue, but I think I saw it after it had come out. And I remember noticing that it was um, for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, who I've, I've worked for them in the past and they're a really great organization. I, I love everything they do. So I think it's really amazing. And then even just for the people writing the poetry and sending it in, knowing that their work is going towards something um, that's going to help people. Because not only will the work itself, because poetry can be a great source of like solace for people, um, but just knowing too that like the book is contributing to something positive is really amazing for, for you and the contributors. Um, what was I about to say about it? 
Um, yeah, no, I was saying too that it's a good way also to connect with your like with your listeners because I guess when you opened it up for volume two for submissions, it was promoted like via your field medic channels and such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a great way kind of like you're sharing your work with listeners and then they kind of get to share it back with you. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And it's, it's nice because I think that my philosophy with, with creativity is like anybody can do it. And like, I think a lot of people do do it. Um, but maybe you know, don't share it because they don't feel like it's good or something or, you know, I like, there's some people that are like, you know, some people are born like talented and that's just the way it is. And I like personally don't believe that at all because I think if you just work hard and you really care about what you like, um, then I, I believe that you can achieve what you want. And I think that for a lot of people, even just having the opportunity to be published in this you know, small lit mag or whatever you want to call it. Like, I hope that would be kind of like inspiration for them to be like, damn, like I've, I'm in this book, like I should do more poetry or I should, you know, draw more, more art or take more photos. So yeah, like being able to inspire, not even like leading by example, but just being like, you are now like in this book. Like I want, I hope that it just, it causes so much more creativity for everyone involved. Yeah, because poetry and well, writing in general, like it is a talent that some people just, you have a talent for it, but it's also a craft and like you hone your craft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I feel like even when I was growing up, I loved to write like through like middle school and like early high school, I would try to write. And then I kind of had this like moment where I just decided that I sucked at it Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm so bad at this and I'm never gonna be a writer and I basically just like stopped writing other than just like notes app rants that came to me but I stopped like sitting down to write and then it wasn't until years later where I was like hmm maybe I actually was never that bad at it I was just 14 and didn't have as many things to say and I think I realized too that like the more I kept reading and the more I kept writing and even like I don't write songs or anything, but listening to music definitely inspires me um, because I love music and I love like lyrics. But I think, yeah, realizing that maybe everything you do doesn't suck can really help Mm -hmm. you just keep going. And I think like you said, for people to see their, their words on paper and to know that other people are seeing something in it as well is that little bit of motivation to be like, hmm, maybe my creativity is actually a good thing and maybe I should keep doing this. So I think that's really awesome that you're giving um, people the chance to be in that, uh, be in the book and and not even like, oh, giving the chance, but like helping foster that creativity. Thank you. It it makes me so happy. And as I said, to anyone listening out there, the real the real mastermind behind the project is Andre. He's, he's very, um, what's the word for someone who's like, uh, low key. Humble. Like he's, uh, he's very humble. Yeah. But I just want everyone to know Andre is the true mastermind of paper frames and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be here without him. So love you, Andre. Hope you hear it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he'll, he'll listen. 
Um, I also saw that you started a text chain with your with fans that uh -huh. you can sign up for, and you're sending them haikus and little sentences. Yeah. What's what is that like? What's the deal with that? So what that is is it's like, um, it's kind of like an email list, I guess, but it's like goes to text instead of email, um, and it's like, it's just a way to for those who are interested to sort of like. It's almost, I feel like if, if you want medic, you know, straight tapped into your phone, like it's a way for me to be like, Hey, like this is, you know, like, for example, we're going to send the new single to the, the text list, like in a couple hours, like a little bit before it comes out, there's going to be like, it's kind of a way for me to like leak the new album and, and album related things to people that are curious about that sort of thing. Um, and also like, just like say what's up. Um, and it is a little bit, it's like a little bit overwhelming. I think it's uh, cause like I used to, I had a PO box for a while too, sort of as a way to be like, if you want to hit me up, like I go like the internet's too much for me, but like you could send me a letter and I would sometimes get these letters that were like really detailed and like long and, and extremely sweet and nice. And eventually I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. So this kind of reminds me of the PO box, but it feels a little bit more manageable because it's like digital. So I kind of just go. So it like runs, the phone number goes to like an app that's like on my computer. So I'll just go on there for like, 30 minutes to like an hour every day and just sort of like get back to some people, some people that I can and like try to also like send a little poem or something, which has actually been nice for me because it's kind of nice to have a reason to write a poem because I used to like, just, I mean, I still do love writing poetry and songs and stuff, but there was definitely a time when I was younger, when it was like, I had like an insatiable thirst for creating stuff like that and sometimes it's nice to kind of be having a day where I maybe go for a bike ride and like I'm like maybe I'll just like send a poem to you know this handful of people that are on the list and hopefully you know once again it's like hopefully maybe it'll inspire them to write a poem and like sometimes they send a poem back and I even though I don't get to get back to everybody like I love reading them and it like inspires me so it's this kind of like cycle of creativity and it's really nice. It's, as I said, it's a little overwhelming, but like, it's fun. It's fun for now. Yeah, I like that. It's similar to the, to the book, the exchange of creativity and mm -hmm. each other. I really like that because I think a lot of times with like the artist and the fans, it can feel very separate like the relationship that you have with the fans versus the relationship that fans would have with you because there's like the barrier between y'all of not having like that real like interaction versus when because since they use you said they can text you back and share something in return it kind of breaks down that barrier where you can actually have a real connection and interaction which i like i think it's nice. yeah i think it's nice to just keep it real like it's just like i think that the phone list thing I, I probably will only do for like a few months because it you know i have to give myself like some space too mm -hmm. but in this time of like with the tour and the album and stuff it's like let's just let's just like 
go hard and like, you know, try to and connect with people because I love like, even before I had that, like all like, if you know, it's like you said, like if people send me like a drawing they made or someone like gets a tattoo, like I'm, I can't help but be so grateful and like mind blown, like every time that that happens, that like, I can't just I can't just like not respond if someone says that to me because it's like I'm so honored and it, it it honestly inspires me to keep going because I have such a tumultuous brain that like some days I'm just, I'm, you know, going into some existential pit of despair and confusion and it might even just be like at that one moment somebody like, you know, tweets something really nice or like you know, sends me a message that they just like proposed to their fiance and like listened to OTL like right away, right afterwards. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I guess this, like my life has a purpose in the way that it like interacts with other people's lives. And I'll always be grateful for that. So I'm, I'm down to be as, as communicative as I can while, while still also setting a boundary, like for myself as a person, but I'm super grateful for everyone who listens and like is enthusiastic about my music because that's my life. And I'm happy that that's the case. Yeah. That's so sweet. Like hearing you talk about the interactions that you've had with like fans, the tattoos, the story about the proposal, like it's very apparent how much it means to you, which is really sweet to see and to hear. But um, I can't imagine that being in that place of like having people saying that and and knowing that your work is meaning that to people. But then also what you were saying too is so true, like setting the boundary for yourself because it can be overwhelming. So like I can barely respond to text from my friends. So like responding to text from a bunch of other people as well, it would it would be a lot, but like you were saying, it's kind of like the hype right now of the album and getting that all out there. So it's definitely a cool thing to do while you can. And as long as you don't burn yourself out. Yeah. I'm going to go until I can't anymore. And then I think, I think after the album is done, I might like fully log off the web for like two months, like after the tour is over. Cause I feel like so much of my day right now is, is based around you know, collecting like assets and like taking photos and like, you know, posting like tour flyers and stuff. And I really want to like, you know, come like November, I want to just chill and like read, read books and play guitar and, and just do stuff like strictly for me to like replenish my, my soul. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got distracted because like a fire truck pulled up next to me. And I'm like so curious where it's going. It's because this podcast is on fire right now. Yeah, it's just they they knew we were bringing the heat. I'm so curious mm-hmm. where are they going? I was like looking behind me. I was like everyone in the bookstore is still it's in there. Like, what like, if I'm just like, dude, there's a huge fire behind you? I know. I was like, are they coming in here? It's weird though because their sirens aren't on. So maybe like a cat is in a tree. That's exactly what I was going to say. It oh, could really? just be a cat stuck in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're going across the street, so it's not it's not my problem. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's such a bad thing to say. I'm like it's not it's not me, so it's okay. But uh, yeah, hopefully everyone's okay. Um, but yeah, very true about doing things 
for yourself. And with tour coming up, the last time we talked, we you were touring alone because as a solo artist and you didn't have your band or anything. And mm-hmm. we talked a lot about kind of how that can feel of like being in an empty green room, like after your set or whatnot, when the band's on stage, uh, how, how does, is this tour going to feel different? Like, are you, do you have any of the same worries going into this tour or because it's a headlining tour will you have more of like a support system around you? So on this tour, I'm bringing a bassist and a drummer. So I will have a band and they're my friends too. So that will be cool. And then I'll also probably have at least one or maybe even two like additional people like tour manager, or like merch person with me. So I think that I'll definitely, and I think I'm, I've probably talked about this before where it's like, I'm always having a ton of fun and like friends with the bands that I'm touring with, but we're not like the same unit. So I think having my unit will be less, hopefully like less lonely and confusing. Um, I'm sure that those feelings will still come up to some extent, but I think the hardest part is going to be playing last because I always get super anxious before I play. And it's not even like, because I'm scared that like, it's not going to go well. It's just this rush of nervousness that happens like 30 minutes before I hit the stage. And whenever I headline a show, it's hard to sit with that anxiety until like 10 PM or whatever, when the headliner goes on. So I'm worried about that right now, just elongated anxiety, but I think, I think I can get through it. Yeah. The first few shows will probably be pretty stressful, but I feel like you'll get, you'll get used to it as you go through the tour, hopefully. Yeah. And I also think that when I'm doing support shows, there is always sometimes this fear where it's like, what if the headlining headliners fans like don't like my music or like they think I'm like too silly or something like that. And I think there might be, I might be able to take heart in knowing that because it's like my show that I like the majority of the people there are like ready and like know the tracks that I'm going to play. So it's going to be, it's going to be a really exciting and fun new experience that I'm also like terrified to do yeah a lot of the things worth doing are terrifying so absolutely yeah thank you for listening to flashlight podcast remember to follow us on instagram at flashlight.podcast to stay up to date with future episodes see you next time